The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. When you gotta love it, it's good like it should be Makes you never wanna give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do the same for you Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes Welcome to Fighting for Love This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about saying yes, and I had the opportunity to meet this wonderful woman that has moved to Laguna Beach, and she is the author of this book called The Magic of Saying Yes, Answering Your Heart's True Calling. Her name is Betty Gutting, and she is also a former attorney. So that's really kind of an interesting transformation as well. So as a former practicing attorney, Betsy Gutting is a transformational coach, and she is the founder of Soulful Success Enterprises. She left the practice of law after a life-changing catalytic event steered her into a radical new life change. As a coach and counselor, spiritual teacher, and author, Betsy is dedicated to helping people create soulful success in vital areas of their lives, such as relationship, career, health, money, and business. She is the author of this inspiring and practical guidebook, and I've really been enjoying reading it. It has exercises in it, and I can really relate to it. And it's called The Magic of Saying Yes, Answering Your Heart's True Calling. Her book, as well as her audio MP3, Guided Meditations for Awakening Your Passion, have been life-changing breakthroughs for many people who have Use these wonderful uh, the book and the MP3, and Betsy continues to take bold risks to live the life of her dreams, including she moved to her dream place, which is everybody's dream place, Laguna Beach, California, and her books, courses, and audios are available at her website at betsygutting.com. That's spelled B-E-T-S-Y-G-U-T-T-I-N-G. Dot com. So, Betsy, great to talk to you after meeting you in person. Thank you for joining us today. 
Hi, Mari. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the lovely introduction. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to be on your show. As I was saying when we first talked before the show, I love what you do. I love that you are helping people move through conflict, transform conflict, and I just think it's an amazing service to individuals and to the planet. So, well, thank you, we're like-minded souls, I think. Yes, and I think it's so important that we have these, um, as, as I would say, enlightened attorneys, people who have studied this and know that there's always a better way than than conflict, escalating conflict and fighting. And so I love your yeah. book about saying yes. So, thank you. Anyway, you went from being an attorney to creating a coaching and counseling career. Tell us about that life-changing event that steered you toward the work you're doing now. Well, it wasn't a straight line. Life goes in circles, we find out, on this path. And I decided to take a break from my career in law. I was feeling a little bit disillusioned. I always felt like I had to leave a part of who I really was, my authentic self, so to speak, at the door when I walked into the law firm. So I took a break and I started doing soul searching. I did a lot of journaling, read a lot of books on how to find your passion and was just open to, if it's if I'm not going to be a lawyer, which as you well know is an incredible investment of time, money, and energy, not to mention the bar exam right. <laughs> in, in your career. And so it was, if I wasn't going to practice law, what could I do that would allow me to help people and bring me joy? And so I started just doing lots of journaling and asking questions and answering them. I'm a big believer in inquiry, self-inquiry, and asking the question what would I do if I weren't afraid? And I started writing these crazy things down, like, well, I'd take a trapeze class or I would travel (laughs) the world. Mm -hmm. And I went to sleep one night after doing that kind of inquiry. And in the middle of the night, I had this dream, one of those dreams that just completely wakes you out of your sleep, that almost like a lucid dream. And in my dream, I was standing on a stage and I had a, it was a dark, dark room. I had a red velvet curtain behind me and um, people in the audience were laughing and I realized I was doing stand-up comedy in my dream. (laughs) Wow. I have to tell you, yeah, I never, ever imagined myself doing, I think I'd only been to a comedy club maybe twice in my whole life before that. And, And so it was, it was, you know, I had been asking for signs and, and messages and, like, asking, please tell me which way to go. Give me some direction. And here I had this dream that was so powerful that I had my journal by my bed and I started writing all this material down that could potentially be <laughs> joke material. And I had no idea how to write a joke. And... Um, I woke up the next morning and my daughter still makes fun of me because she says, my daughter Molly is 23 now. She says, Mama, you were running around the house. You had so, you were so excited about being a stand-up comedian. And <laughs> something about that dream that was just so powerful that said, this is your message. This is what you have to go do. And I did. I, a couple days later, I, I mean, and I have to be honest, I was terrified and I wasn't qualified and I, you know, I really, I was not qualified to do this, but. I had made this commitment to what I call spirit. You know, you could call it your intuition or your inspiration. I had made this commitment that if I got a really strong sign, I would follow it. And so two days later, I found this flyer for 
a class for beginning stand-up comedy, and, you know, fast forward after that, I ended up doing open mic nights, and pretty soon I was doing gigs in casinos, and <laughs> did it, ended up doing stand-up comedy for two years. Wow. <laughs> Synchronicity, yeah. And, huh? <laughs> yeah, and you know what I learned from that was that, was the segue into what I do now, is that we are so much more than we think we are. You know, when mm. I was contemplating leaving the practice of law, I thought, what else can I do? And so many people say, what can you do with a law degree? And I thought, what else can I do, um, you know, with my skills and my um, the things that I love and working with people and helping people? And I couldn't answer that question. And so it wasn't just my, and this is true for all of us, it wasn't just my resume. It wasn't just my credentials. Here I was given this assignment like this, I call an assignment from God, to go do this thing that I didn't know how to do. And yet I did it because I was given everything I needed to do. I was given it. I got these amazing joke ideas early in the morning just as I was waking up. I got all these what I call divine downloads. <laughs> and, and so I didn't know what I was doing, and yet I could go out there and do it anyway, and I was successful at it. So I didn't, I didn't want to do it forever. I realized that smoky bars, because back then you, you people get smoke in the bars. This was in, in Washington. I, smoky bars and road comics weren't my tribe. But what I got from that was we can really do whatever, we, whatever we're being called to do. We really can do that. We just have to make the commitments, put both feet in, and then ask to be given all that we need to do and obviously take action on that. Right. And from, that, from there, I just started, I was so excited about what had happened to me that I started leading circles of women out of my living room, like moms, other moms of um, my kids' friends. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just evolved organically from there. Right, right. And you probably learned to be more lighthearted from having to think <laughs> about comedic things, right? I mean, it really made yeah. me more light. <laughs> After coming from such a heavy profession, (laughs) such as the law, and everybody's in conflict and fighting, and then you go into comedy, I mean, what a what an interesting stark contrast. Yeah, and that was probably to get you ready for for the next level, which is the next thing you went to. Yes, like what we're doing now, and you know, when I teach classes and um, you talk talk to groups. If you can use humor, that really helps. And I think that I'm, by nature, I'm a, I'm a little bit more on the serious side. So mm. I do need to lighten up. <laughs> so that was, that was your uh, two years of training to lighten up so that you could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. and, and I worked through, you know, people say comedians work through, you know, it's, it becomes therapy for them. I worked through a lot of things that I had just kind of pushed down, childhood pain and stuff, too in my comedy. So, you know, there's, there's always a bigger picture and a reason to what we're being guided to do that we wouldn't necessarily come up with our intellect that we have no idea. But, you know, I like to say that the soul knows our destiny. Yeah. What a catharsis, too, know for our you. Destiny. Yeah. So let's talk about, you You know, in your coaching practice, you help people with soulful success. So... How, what is soulful success in terms of our relationships? That's such a good question. Soulful success is getting guidance from a deeper, wiser part of you. And in relationships, 
we tend to think we know our partner, and I'm, I'm talking about all relationships here, both, you know, romantic partners, spouses, business relationships, our relationships with our kids, everybody. We tend to think we know the other person. We have maybe an argument, like a regular argument that we have over and over and over. We just have places where we say, I know we disagree on this, and we can never, we can never seem to agree on, you know, this or the other thing. And what soulful success does is it reminds us that we really don't fully know that other person. And we think we do, and we think we know what they're going to say, and we avoid conflict because we don't want to hear the same response, and we know the things that our partners do that trigger us and shut us down and vice versa. But soulful success says there, there is an unconditionally loving force within all of us. And I call it the soul, you could call it God, you could call it your inspiration, you could call it, you know, your best self, your true self. Mm -hmm. But that unconditionally loving force within all of us, when we, when we say, okay, I want to approach this relationship in a new way. I want to, together with my partner, if we can get on the same page and agree with intentions that... We want to have a soul-to-soul relationship rather than a role-to-role relationship. Then it can open up a whole new world of possibility and much more love, much more um, deeper commitment, more compassion, more appreciation, and what I call in my book, getting into the love flow, which is when you feel like you're kind of, that feeling that we all have when we first fell in love with someone. Mm. And, you know, everything is just yummy and <laughs> everything yeah. is, and you're just, everything your partner does, even if, you know, the things that we would later say are, are our partner's fault at the time we think they're cute and adorable. And that, that's the love flow, being in that love flow, the, the higher altitude where we can see from a higher perspective and we are a lot more accepting of, of the other. Mm-hmm. I love that soul to soul instead of role to role, you know, especially yeah. like you have a 23-year-old daughter, I have a 30-year-old daughter, and there's always yeah. the challenges with mother-daughter stuff. So I think that idea of, <clears throat> especially when the kids get older, that it's no longer role to role, mother-daughter, it's soul to mm-hmm. soul, and I, I really love that. And, you know, especially in, in love relationships, it's, it's important, too. Now, you also talk in your book about in the magic of saying yes, um, of what you call our guiding genius, <laughs> which kind yeah. of like what you had in your dream, right? Talk a little yeah. bit about that and, and how people can really go through a transition, whether it's a divorce or whether it's a career change or whether it's just aging or going through a health challenge? Well, our guiding genius is really the voice of our soul. And in the book I talk about how your relationship with your soul is really like a lot like a relationship with another person, except we don't see our soul. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a feeling that we have. It's a sense of, um, of sweet love. But we have to cultivate that relationship with our soul just like we would with another person. And so I call it romancing the soul where you begin to pay attention. Like when I was journaling to find out what could I do if I'm, that would make me passionate that isn't the law, what else can I do? I was journaling to really to get in touch with my guiding genius, that part of me, part of all of us that is our wisest self that has our answers 
And like I said earlier, that's the part of us. Your guiding genius is the part of you that knows your soul's blueprint. It knows what you came here to do. So many people come to me and they say, I, I wish I knew what my life purpose is. I don't know what my life purpose is. Or I don't know what the purpose of this relationship is anymore now that our kids are grown and, and out of the house. And so that we, I think we all have this, if we're lucky, we all awaken at some point to this, this kind of longing for deeper meaning, more fulfillment in our lives. And so we want to access, but we, we want, we have lots of questions and we have these unresolved answers. And so when, you're in, when people are in transition, one thing that I really recommend they do is begin to, and I, I give this tool in my book, to be, first of all, name your spirit, name your, whatever you would call your soul, name it so it can begin to feel more real to you. And then write to it as if you were writing to a romantic partner and say, you know, like when I write to my soul, I call my soul spirit and I'll say, dear spirit, you know, I'm having a really bad day and I feel horrible about this and this person didn't call me back and what should I do? And, you know, all these crazy thoughts going on in my mind and all these emotions and I just dump my emotions on the page and then I ask spirit, please comfort me. And once you dump your emotions, then you can hear... it's not like the voice comes through like this is the voice of your spirit. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I wish it was, right? We all wish, right? We all wish. But it's a, it's a vibration. It's a sense. It's a feeling. And so you, you, this is something that you can cultivate and practice and really get good at if you do it a lot and begin to get a sense of that comfort that your soul is giving you and direction. And, and a lot of times it comes in one tiny thing, like go get the mail or go take a walk or go to the beach and, and you know, feel the, you, you know, you need to cleanse your energy field, so to speak. Go to the beach and do that. Or, you know, it'll be little tiny nudges. Your soul operates on a need-to-know basis. So it's not going to say, okay, here's your whole vision, most likely. Although right. some people get those aha moments and we've all had some light bulb moments. But it usually comes just one crumb at a time. Yeah, and it leads and I, you. It's 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 part of that synchronicity that leads you. It's like when you had that dream about becoming a comedy, you know, going into comedy, and then all of a sudden you yes. saw that flyer. You know, once you start yes. to listen to that, then the synchronicities come, and being aware of them and not just ignoring them. You know, um, exactly. I've been exactly. I, I am taking this class, um, The Artist's Way, and I many years ago I read the book and I tried to do it on my own, but it's much better to take a class because then you have accountability. So mm-hmm. my husband and I are I taking it. I love The Artist's yeah. Way. And, and we're, right, we're doing that, that every morning, getting up the first thing in the morning, writing three pages. And you can write uh, and ask all the questions uh, of whatever it is that you want to ask or dump all your emotions. And then you get to that higher self, that that knowing, that intuition, or that spirit, or whatever it is, and um, I think that's yes. so helpful. It's almost like a form of meditation too. It just yes. really it starts to come to you, and you know, um, it's funny because Leonard, who you met, Leonard, you know, has a you know someone that he speaks to all the time and writes to, mm-hmm. and goes in with his mm-hmm. GPS. And I was just listening to this really interesting recording with this woman about um, how sometimes you need to have um, like a spirit that you talk to for months 
money if you're worried about finances. And so um, she has this, she realized that she was so afraid of not having enough money. And she realized, even though she had all these degrees and everything, she realized that um, her when she visualized how did money represent if he was a person? He was like this really scary looking guy. So then she created mm-hmm. this gorgeous guy. So for me, I, I just created this beautiful angel dressed in gold. And because mm. I thought of abundance, I call her Abby. So <laughs> Abby oh, for beautiful. abundance. But in, it. Yeah, but it's that same idea of writing to spirit or, or really communicating with some some higher self that, you know, leads you. And, and so that kind of leads us to what you talk about in your book. And I'm going to say your book again, if somebody's just driving by, The Magic of Saying Yes, Answering Your Heart's True Calling. Um, you talk about the power of intention, and I think that's uh, something that we should let my audience know a little bit more about. Intention is so powerful. Whenever I meet with a client, we always start with intention. I do a very brief relaxation with them, lead them through that, and have them connect to their heart for an intention. What what does your heart choose to feel? And anyone that's listening right now can do that, can just think about what does my heart choose to feel around whatever situation is they feel blocked in right now or feel upset by. And the the neat thing about that, if you really listen to your heart and, and choose that intention, like my heart wants to feel free or my heart wants to feel calm, my heart wants to feel strong, and then you use the words, I am, I am free, I am strong, I am beautiful. What that does is it tells your subconscious mind, because the subconscious mind is the part of us that's driving, you know, 90-something percent of our actions. It tells the subconscious mind, okay, this is the direction we're going. And it's like we're taking the I am beautiful freeway today. And you get on that track, and everything flows in that direction. And that's when you start to get more inspired ideas. Everything, all the resources and and things that you need, the answers you need, flow in that direction of whatever your I am intention is. So when it comes to relationships, a lot of times in my coaching with clients, whether I'm coaching them on business issues or personal issues, relationships stuff always comes up for people right. in any context, right. doesn't it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what life is, <laughs> yeah. whether we're working or, or playing, it doesn't matter. It's all about relationships. And so what I ask people, what I encourage a lot of my clients to do, because I find that a lot of them, what's, what's blocking them is they haven't had a conversation with the person that they feel like they're in conflict with. They're not actually talking about what it is that's bothering them. And so I encourage them to sit down with them and have a heart-to-heart conversation and talk to them about an intention, like consciously set an intention, agree on an intention. Or you're, one, one of you might want to feel, you know, empowered and the other one might want to feel calm. So that's fine. You both have to bring your intentions. But when you bring intention to it, like I said, it guides your subconscious mind, which is the part of you that's pulling down your ideas and your thoughts and everything you want to communicate to the other person. And it's guiding, it just it becomes the guiding light and takes you in the direction of where you want to go. I think that's so important because what happens that I see all the time, especially in divorce mediation, is people talk at each other, not with mm-hmm. each other, or not right. hearing each other. And if you really ask someone, well, what is your intention for how we're going to resolve this? 
you know, or what is your yeah. intention about us working through this? Um, it it immediately puts you on the positive instead of you know you have to hear well my intention is this well my intention is this you know and I think what right. what's really hard for people is um, I had a couple like last week and the wife said well we communicate very well and so they were communic I said well all right let's see how you do you know here uh-huh. and uh, what their communication was well we're very honest what they were were very honest in saying what they didn't like <laughs> which right. obviously got them nowhere right it gets yes, it, it, right. when you when everyone feel worse <laughs> it feels worse and it you know i just was on a conversation with a brain specialist and actually negative thinking does destroy your brain <laughs> And so I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, you know, you this is not what I would call good communication. And I don't I didn't say it like that. I said, well, this this kind of uh, communication is not helping your relationship, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, having that positive intention and really listening and, you know, instead of the blaming and the accusing, you know, getting into what is your, you know, speaking from myself, what is my intention? What is your intention? What are my feelings? What are your feelings? Yeah, a totally different approach. (laughs) Very well said. And I would just add that, you know, when people are speaking negatively and talking about what they don't want, it's because they're in fear, right? And so what, what setting a positive intention does is it shifts them from, fear right. to love and especially when, when you're talking about let's talk about what we appreciate about the other person first what are you grateful for that's even a higher level of communication and a lot of times people do have to to it's helpful to speak your fears like you said talk about your feelings first in a non-blaming non-shaming way let's go let's each say what they're afraid of and then we can say and this is what we want and let's go forward because voicing your fears in a non-blaming, non-shaming way, is all fears really need is a voice. So that's that's really helpful to just sort of get some voice and out of the way. Right, right. And you were talking just a second ago about, you know, gratitude, and I think that's something that you really stress, and that's something that seems to be so really helpful in any relationship is that attitude of gratitude. Let's talk a little bit about that. Oh, my gosh, there's so much. Well, we all feel great when people are (laughs) expressing great gratitude, right? It puts us, like I used the term before, getting into the love flow, into the higher altitude. It puts us in our higher self. It really does. And when you're when you're expressing gratitude to the other person, we just know how good that feels. Bottom line is, it feels really good. Gratitude um, makes us remember and bring up more things that we're appreciative about the other person. And when someone is expressing gratitude to us, we feel their love. We feel their heart, and it just puts us in a completely different zone, the creative zone where we can really come up with new solutions that maybe we haven't thought of before. Yeah. And that kind of leads to even having a gratitude for yourself and self-love. And that one, you know, we're taught in our society, oh, you you know, you're not supposed to be conceited or anything. But we're not talking about conceited when we talk about self-love. Kind of talk a little bit to that. Uh, I love love this subject. I think, you know, one of my teachers, Robert Holden, um, who studies, uh, he teaches about A Course in Miracles, and I study, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, too, and 
what he said once that really struck me was, all love is self-love. And the idea there is that we can't love another person more than we love ourselves. And so the more that we actually, and you're right, it's, it, a lot of people are afraid that self-love means narcissism or selfishness or, you know, that's not what self-love, self-love is, self-love is what I, how I see it is wrapping your arms around the part of you that needs love. And always there's a part of us that in, when we're in conflict that feels afraid or guilty or ashamed or angry. And that part is probably not going to get necessarily and we get that love from the other person when we're in a conflict. And so really, in order to prepare ourselves to, to really show up with the other person with compassion and love and, and hope to get a different result, is to prepare ourselves by giving ourselves that love first. And there are a lot of different ways to do it. I have a chapter in my book called Unwavering Self-Love. And, and, and you know what? The, that I, That's a perfect place to end because I can't believe it. I just oh looked God, at the clock and so we are bad. done. I know, but that's a, a wonderful thing to do. So we want to get people to look at this wonderful book, the, the Magic of Saying Yes, Answering Your Heart's True Calling. And I know that you have a blog, BetsyGuttingBlogspot.com. And I know that you also have a wonderful gift to offer our listeners. So you want them to go to the website? I do. So yes, why don't you just give that website? website? Okay, it's it's BetsyGutting.com. And if you sign up for my newsletter, I will send you my uh, CD, Guided Meditation for Awakening Your Passion, with three beautiful uh, breakthrough tracks on it. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Betsy. We'll just have to have oh, you back thank again. Thank you for having me, Mari. Okay. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Okay. We will see you again, you, and you take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minerva and KUCI.org on the net. Join us every Monday morning at 830. And and visit our website, conflicthealing.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.